Hetherington, lead drainage engineer at Cardiff City Council. And Ian's baby, Greener Grangetown, has now been unveiled yesterday and we're very excited. And he's going to talk to us a little bit about how the design came through to implementation, so how all those wonderful ideas actually got in the ground, how this amazing sub scheme has managed to come online. He'll talk a little bit about how working with Welsh Water, other utilities companies, getting engineers on board has been critical. And Ian is also a resident of Grangetown, so a unique insight there. And he'll talk about how the community have responded to the scheme. So Ian, give us a bit of background and tell us a bit more about this wonderful project. Well, I have been a drainage engineer with the council for 28 years and we used to do all the engineering for the Water Authority before the work was taken off the councils and, and taken on by consultants. And so I was involved in taking out all the sewage from the Cardiff Bay prior to the impoundment of Cardiff Bay Barrage. That was a, an integral part of this design because by doing that you created a very large freshwater lake and there was no more tidal movements and so the sewage wasn't allowed to go into the, the tidal zone where it received no treatment. Um, alongside, obviously, you had European legislation to, to clean up the, the water in the Bay Directive, so large, large treatment works were built in order to accommodate the drainage and the sewage, and so that was all locked into the system. And so the idea came that why we got all this rainwater going into a system right next to the River Taff, when it could drain there and be intercepted, when it's going eight kilometres via three pumping stations to a tertiary treatment plant, being treated and going out to sea in, near Panath when they could go into the river. So uh, I approached Welsh Water about nine or ten years ago to talk about what we could do to try and remove the water before it went into the sewer system. And uh, an engineer called Jeremy Jones, who worked Welsh Water at the time, came up with the idea of using green infrastructure uh, to treat the highway drainage before putting it into the river. So we put our two ideas together and moved ahead with the design. Um, in terms of um, bringing it forward, um, we brought together a partnership of uh, Welsh Water, Cardiff Council and Natural Resources Wales, which is the Welsh angle of the Environment Agency. And we all worked together from a very early stage, paid for feasibility study, and we brought Amap in, uh, we had a local office, um, to do the feasibility study for us. That feasibility study told us it was feasible, what, what we were proposing, it would work, um, approximately how much it would cost, and, and the multi-benefits you'd gain from it. That's when we realised how unique the project was and which, what we were trying to do. So from that point onwards, um, we did kick into doing the, the main design and got the money together to, to work the main design, but a big part of that was consultation. Uh, not so much a consultation, but a conversation with a local community of about 500 houses. A very multicultural mix. Local primary school has 48 different languages as a first language other than English. So it's the most multicultural cultural part of Wales. And so we had to spend a lot of time and resource talking and listening to the local residents about the options we could bring in to improve their streets as part of the drainage design. That was a huge, huge part of the job because they really were part of the design team from the from day one and continued to advise us on the completion of the scheme and what works and what doesn't work. And having people living there all their lives, they see those streets and the communities in a different way from an engineer would. And that's why uh, consultation is so, so important in delivering a scheme like this. 
That's fantastic. And as you said, you know, some of the streets have got community hubs, some of them have got mosques, some of them have got small businesses um, in the periphery. So obviously everybody had a different slant on what they wanted to see there. And you said about the little seating area, what you called the Grange Town Parliament area, yes. where the rain garden was close to an area where people could congregate. So you've seen results quite quickly, I assume. Yeah, it doesn't feel quite quickly. It feels like it's been a long, a long, long journey. But I think um, if you want to take consultation seriously, you need to be able to speak to as many people as possible. Um, you can't always assume they speak English. You can't always assume they can read and write, um, whether they speak English or not. So in terms of communication, you use every available method in terms of newsletters, uh, YouTube videos, um, street surgeries, door knocking, public meetings, constant, constant uh, communication, talking to local elders of local religious communities, um, getting to parents through children through the local schools, every conceivable way, until they start complaining about all the communications they're getting, you haven't done enough. You've hit the baseline when they start complaining they're getting too much. That's when you know you're starting to get to the community. But that element is, I can't overstate how important it is with delivering this project. Without proper consultation, this project wouldn't have worked. And obviously at Green Blue Urban we get asked a lot about the sort of co-benefits of doing retrofit sub-schemes because it's a lot of capital investment, you have to make a lot of arguments to get these things off the ground as you well know from doing this scheme. And you were telling me a lot about some of the traffic management benefits, some of the benefits to cyclists around Grange Town as well. So it hasn't just been about managing water, has it? There's been a lot more. Yeah, that. I think the, the, the main driver for the project is better manage the water but what we're doing with that project then is uplifting the whole community in terms of making it safer for cyclists safer for pedestrians safer for drivers less congestion more green um, more space more oxygen more wildlife um, it's about improving everything it's about getting those money benefits and understanding how that's going to uplift and change people's perceptions of the community they live in you know taking pride in their streets taking pride in the area around them a feeling ownership um, of the uh, green infrastructure we put in their street, you know, by encouraging them to choose what plants they want, whether they want pollinators, whether they want traditional plants, if they want to put their own plants in, you know, we've encouraged them actively to do that in order to make them feel ownership and to gain their trust. You have to gain their trust. If they ask for something, you have to deliver it. You know, if you, it's a case of you said we did, and we put leaflets out stating that for them to understand that their opinions actually change the design. As soon as you get that, you gain trust, and you have to hold that trust because that trust enables you to deliver the scheme. And obviously, you don't work in isolation, so you were talking about the community being part of this design process, but I'm assuming you had engineers that were less conversant with how to integrate these different subs components and obviously at Green Blue we were involved in some of the more complex elements of the subs interventions. So you're getting getting trees under the ground with those cell systems into rain gardens. That's not something that you do every day in the street. So how did you sort of get the engineers on board with some of these sort of slightly more complex arrangements under the ground? It was quite useful. We've got our own parks department and our own tree offices. Then we have the um, environment um, and landscape engineers from Arup who were very, very good. And then we'd have Natural Resources Wales and their tree offices. We put them all in the same room and they'd largely agree the best way forward. Then we bring in a company like Green Blue Urban, who we've worked with before in the local authority, and we discuss the best way of, of locating the trees, how to um, 
foundation for the trees, what the species of the trees, the soil specification, quality control, learning lessons from other projects that Green Blue Urban have been involved in and other organisations have been involved in, sharing all that knowledge and understanding each other's priorities, that's very important. If you've got a partnership between Natural Resources Wales, ourselves and Welsh Water, understand each other's priorities. But at the end of the day, the people were working with in the community are the same customers that all the organizations work for that's very very important we're working for the same customers that's the multi-benefit game same customers that we all serve so i think when we got all those people in the same room to talk about trees and soil outside my engineering parameters I've, i'm still learning an awful lot about trees and soils but then it's the opportunity for me to go to my colleagues in the highways department and say you need to understand a lot more about urban trees and about how to locate them how to get the specification of the soil right you know, don't treat, treat it as um, putting turf on the soil. This is a very complicated uh, technical issue that you need to get right. If you get it wrong, it doesn't work. If you get it right, it's, a, it's an amazing piece of green infrastructure. It will live for decades to come. So it's trying to get all the departments in the council to understand the importance of doing uh, green infrastructure properly and not on the cheap. So would you say that sort of the thinking behind doing green and blue at the same time from Grangetown, which is obviously... Well, I mean, I've been walking around today. It's fantastic for bringing engineering and natural infrastructure together in one in one sort of holistic approach. Would you say that is some learning that you'll be taking forward on other projects in the future? Is that something that you want to roll out? Yeah, so I've got plans for um, a few other areas where we could work um, this sort of design next to the River Taff, where it's impounded, where it's effectively a fresh, freshwater lake. I think it's it's three elements. You've got the the drainage elements, a lot of drainage underground, a lot of engineering underground in this project that no one can see now. Then you've got the uh, green infrastructure elements, which are the rain gardens, the trees, the soil specification, the choice of plants, which is all very, very specific. Then you have the highway engineering element, which is the structure of the rain gardens, the highway layout, the layout of the cycling layout of pedestrians. So there's three elements that need to come together when you're retrofitting. And, you know, bearing in mind as you've been around Grangetown today, it's not Portland, Oregon. It's not suburban Cardiff. It's inner city Cardiff. It's terrace streets. It's the old docks area. There are lots of challenges that you have in terms of antisocial behaviour in, in inner city Cardiff area. It's a lovely area by the river, but it, it's changing people's perceptions by creating sustainable green um, resources in that community. These areas are low maintenance. You know, we've gone for low maintenance trees, low maintenance planting, easy to maintain rain gardens. So one of the biggest challenges with suds anywhere, particularly with retrofit, is to keep the maintenance down. The people, the naysayers of suds said, yeah, it looks very nice, but how do you maintain it? Well, I say, this is how you do it. So what's, you know, we've done this in Grangetown, what's your excuse? That's the challenge to go out to say to people, look, if you've got the parameters to deliver this, why aren't you doing it? Because you've got the multi-benefit, you get far more bang for your buck doing what we've done in Grangetown than you do doing it separately. And, and that's what the, but the tree element and the, is absolutely critical because the trees change the character of a street. You know, you've, you're going up five, six, seven metres with some of these trees. And in the spring, when they come out of the shock of being replanted and they open up, that's the vision of these streets are going to completely change and the perception of these streets will completely change because people will see green in their community, which they haven't had. Yes, I was going to say, because some of the challenges of making suds visible for the community, isn't it? So if you introduce green infrastructure as well as engineering, I assume that when you undertook the consultation, more of the focus was on the amenity and aesthetic value than how much, maybe how much water you were generating in a rainfall event. Was that maybe the approach you took when you were talking to the community? Yeah, they, they obviously have little or no interest in um, how the um, 
combined sewer network of Grangetown works is not something they've taken a huge amount of interest. I'm just one of the weird people who gets very excited by combined drainage networks. But um, I think what they want to know is parking. The single biggest issue in an area like this is parking because you have terrace streets where these houses were built before the invention of the internal combustion engine. You've got a car house with three cars and they want to know why they can't park them all in front of their house, which is as wide as one car. So that's a conversation you frequently have. They're right next to the city centre. There are lots of jobs in the city centre moving in. It's expanding rapidly. The BUC has just moved in 1,000 jobs. The tax office has just moved in another 3,000 jobs. They're all hitting city centre next year. They all want to park in Grangetown. So we have to manage the parking. We have to be very sensitive on the parking issue, which is the single biggest issue for local residents. But at the same time, people have to realise it's not the council's job to give you as many spaces as you want. It's the council's job to manage the parking safely, but also making a pleasant living environment for people. And I think now that people have got past the disruption of the excavation, which was disruptive for them, they realise what we're trying to achieve is a more pleasant living environment for them and managing the park through resident parking permit systems to try and manage the parking better and hopefully come up with transport systems in the future where people won't have to drive into the city centre to work. They can use alternatives. Obviously, until that comes in, there will be a challenge, but hopefully we can manage it safely so that these residential areas aren't turned into car parks. So in terms of um, sustainable transport, obviously, I mean, it's very walkable from Grangetown to the city centre at the moment. So do you think maybe when people see these improvements, particularly, as you say, when the trees start to take, when the rain gardens start to bed in a bit better, maybe people will actually say, well, we're happy to give up a couple of parking spaces if this is the result at the end of it. Perhaps that will create a step change. I think... I think people want both. They want parking and green, which is wholly understandable. But I think it's trying to get the balance and the compromise. We've, we've gone out of our way to try and squeeze as many spaces. We've changed the angles of the rain gardens to get more spaces in. We've, we've tried to mark out as many spaces of legal, lawful spaces as we can for people to park. But at the same time, we've got to make it safe. You know, what we try to do is um, make it much, much safer for cyclists. You know, the Taff Embankment, which is the spine of the, of the scheme, is Wales' as biggest as cycle route, the Taft Trail. It's a very, very busy cycling route in the morning and evenings. We try to make it a lot safer for, for them to cycle without being run over and also make it safer for pedestrians in terms of um, walking along the riverbank, jogging along the riverbank, um, designing around the tree routes instead of cutting the trees down. A lot of engineering thought has gone into how to make it safer and more visible for everyone so they can all see each other so there's no uh, road traffic accidents uh, it makes it safer to use and less congested and less people using it as a rat run so we've all the highway design has gone into the thought of how to make it as safe as we can for cyclists pedestrians and local local uh, commuters rather than people commuting into the area we want to make it easy for local people but if it's more difficult for commuters because it's not a car park, it's a residential area. So finally, before I let you go, um, so what do you think some of the major lessons learned with this retrofit project would be in terms of the actual difficulties of getting on site, getting those tree pit systems in? What would you say you would do potentially differently or what were the challenges that maybe organisations such as ourselves could respond to when undertaking these large schemes this is a first for us as well obviously so there's got to be some shared there. I think um, you can't do enough quality control on the tree planting soil spec and vegetation we did a lot more from the lessons that Welsh Water learned from Llanelli projects in Rainscape and, and we really tried very very hard on quality control and we think we were fairly successful but we'd still push it further in terms of 
getting the soil levels absolutely right, getting the plants absolutely right. It's so important to because you know it's not it's not just a, something pretty to look at. It's an engineering filter system, just like any anyone else. You wouldn't lay a gully at the wrong level, so you shouldn't do the soils at the wrong level. That's been an important lesson. We wouldn't use natural stone in rain gardens because um, natural stone and curbs is granite, and that's one mountain in China where everyone gets its granite from relying on that source and getting that supply the way you want it and, and for the guys to actually lay that on site incredibly difficult we need to make a mold and make concrete curbs of the right depth to make rain gardens currently they're not on the market some company needs to come up with the idea to do that because they'll corner the market and that will make it much easier and quicker and safer and cheaper to, to create them bollards when we put bollards in a rain garden very hard to put a, a large bollard in a rain garden and, and secure it. We probably have large, longer bollards and fewer of them to make it less uh, maintenance issues for, for those rain gardens because we don't want people parking in the rain gardens. Um, so those lessons and also when you go into a street, don't do the drainage first and then do the rain gardens after them. Do it all at the same time. Close the street, give them alternative parking and hit the whole street as quickly as you can. You know, do it. They'd rather have the disruption for six weeks rather than half a disruption for 12 weeks. That period can be incredibly frustrating for local residents. Offer them alternative parking, do the whole street, because as soon as they have the quietness of a street, when there's no traffic going through it, they quite like that. And, and it's quieter. And, and even though they're getting the disruption, they can see the work being done. But the longer you're in that street, the more difficult it is for them, for the contractors. So I shorten the contract, even if it costs a bit more to do that in order to get it out in and out of that street quickly because the disruption to the local residents because you if you have elderly residents you have a heavily pregnant woman you have someone who's disabled or has a health problem you have to allow and manage that so the longer you're in the street the more difficult it is for the vulnerable residents of that street so you really got to think and consult and communicate at a constant daily level with the residents to let them know their concerns matter that's that's really important but i think yeah, communicate, communicate with the residents. Um, the more they feel involved and they feel valued in that project, the more they'll support you in what you're doing, the more they'll feel ownership of what you've achieved, and the more um, they'll feel prouder of the community that's been transformed by the input that they've given into that project. They have to feel part of the design team. If you do that, then you're on to a winner. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for that, Ian, and I hope that all our listeners will take some share the learning from that and do their own green agreement. Thank you.